Good morning, Lydia House. Glad you're here in this beautiful sanctuary. It's going to be a good morning. I love the weather, right? Kind of, kind of coolish. This is wonderful. Two or three makes it work, Jesus said. And so we've got some more than that, and we've got more coming. And we're here to focus on a good and generous and kind Father who loves to hear us praise him, who loves to receive our prayers. And we're going to hear from Jacob this morning, Jacob Gould. Glad to have him on the team and to be able to support his work at Lydia House. Let's begin with prayer. We are so grateful, Father, that you call us together. You say, come together and rest together and encourage one another, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together, but doing this. Thank you that we can do it, even though it's difficult in this season for many. We pray for those who can't be here. We think of Isaiah and Laura, who are, uh, Laura's getting built up after uh, having a, her fifth, having, uh, and she's got five now in her home, five kids. So we bless them. We thank you for them. And we bless what you desire to do this morning. We bless in advance. And we begin in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Oh, come behold the works of God, the nations at his feet. He breaks the bow and bends the spear and tells the wars to cease. Oh, mighty one of Israel, you are on our side. We walk by faith in God who burns the chariots with fire. Lord of hosts, you're with us, with us in the fire, with us as a shelter, with us in the storm. You will lead us through the fiercest battle. Oh, where else would we go but with
song. John 20. Jesus appears to the disciples. They're behind doors. They're afraid. Jesus has died as far as they're concerned. But Jesus shows up the evening of the first day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. How many of you know when Jesus said, Peace be with you, it's not just a benediction, it's an impartation. Something happened. When he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. This really is the Lord. Jesus said to them, listen to this now, peace be with you as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the breath of God, the Ruach Adonai. You can feel that. The intangible spirit is breathing life into us. And we can receive that. We can receive it right now. And so just as we say, that was a prayer. Thank you for leading us in that lake. It's a prayer. So we're saying, let's, let's say it. the life of the Spirit, the release of the Spirit. Bring your peace to me. Bring your confidence to me. Breathe, breathe into me all those things that I cannot have without the work of your Holy Spirit. Come, powerful Spirit, into our lives this day, this week, this summer. In many ways, it's a terrible summer. People are tearing apart places. We pray for peace peace to return and we pray for anyone who's struggling internally we pray peace into their heart in Jesus name Introduce the new one we did last week, Egypt.
I uh, was just struck with the fact that I have a big pile of wood right in front of where I was sitting. And we were singing about the fire that the Lord takes us through. And he also blows the fire out. And that was a visual aid for me, a strong visual aid. Because, to be honest, it does feel like there's fire all around. In fact, my one of my best friends and mentors in California, this morning, the Golseths, Kathy, you know them, Alex's, and uh, <coughs> the fires were real for them. Fires were burning. There was an arsonist around their cherry orchard in uh, near Beaumont, California. So I just wanted to pray for them and say, Lord, you know everything that's happening. You know about the fires in Seattle where they're burning the Bibles. Father, we say no to that, and we ask that you would come and do the battle. And we are trusting you today. Our hearts are at peace with you. We know you give us peace, but you also ask us to pray with fervency, and we do that today. And also, I just wanted to say thank you for my brother and sister who are inside with my parents who have come, and thank you to my husband who is up with them in the middle of the night. And we are just trusting that they're going to get better and be encouraged. They just needed some extra sleep, and they'll probably watch this on the video a little later. So praise the Lord. Well said, honey. Yes, thank you. Some of you have prayed for us, and this is a new season for us, and we embrace it fully and uh, thank God for it. We thank God that they've run a good race. And Karen and I want this last lap to be one of the best laps of all. And we believe it's going to be that. So thank you for standing with us. Lydia House, I love you. I love the way you stand with one another, those who are struggling. Uh, we were in prayer this morning uh, in our, our men's group, and Steve mentioned about Laura's back that is still very painful. So we pray, Father, for Laura. We, we picture her now, and we extend a hand to her in faith. We extend our hand in faith for Laura, that you will heal her back. She's got a wedding coming up in two weeks, her daughter. And so she needs to be strong. She needs to be healthy. And if there are others that you, you think of in our Lydia House family, you come up and I'll hand the mic over to you. I want to pray for our government. And the reason why is that Scripture says, first of all. Now when Paul says, first of all, what does he mean? First of all. That's exactly what he means. First, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings, and all who are in high places. We have a responsibility, Lydia House, when we gather to pray for those in high places. And so we're going to pray now. I will lead you. And then if others have a prayer for our country, for what's going on now, it's a sad time. It's a very, very uh, sad time. And so our leaders need 
to hear from God. And so we pray that you would open the ears of our leaders, of the president, of governors, of mayors, of those who spend their lives in Washington, D.C., a lot of it. We pray that you would give them wisdom in this difficult and dark hour. You say, we pray that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life. We ask that it will return to quiet and peaceable. In Jesus' name. Do you have a prayer? I do. Okay, join um, me up here. Yes. Um, I want to pray for the household of God, the church, especially in America. Mm -hmm. uh, the Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy that um, we are the household of God, the pillar and the foundation of the truth. At one time, the church uh, led the culture. Uh, it was uh, the one that influenced everything. And uh, I pray, Lord, that you would do that again. Mm -hmm. You would do it again. I pray for the... There's so many different views on from leaders and churches open and closed. I pray that you would again bring a unity of, of spirit and, and take away the confusion in these times. And I, I do pray your Holy Spirit would do an amazing uh, work in that area in the name of Christ. Into the, I don't know, the elected political. Yeah, yeah. yeah we need, we need. Come God on up and pray it. Come on up, please. Yeah. I can just pray from here. Well, well come on up. And I guess I have to disagree with my husband in some ways. I mean, we as believers and Christians, the church has always influenced the culture. And I think we don't have to always be, you know, in a building, but we as believers can influence every place we go as if in our workplace, wherever we are. And I just believe that we really need some, in, in politics, in our local governments, in our city officials, we need a lot more. We, we just pray, Lord, for Godly men, you would and women, to, just to be, can you know, just have that um, desire and just leading from you that they would uh, be supported. That we could all, as the believers, would support them and finances to in, in any way that is required to to get them elected. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Amen. So we have an offering box. We don't have an offering plate. We have boxes. So there's room in there for money, for checks. And we appreciate the way that Lydia House is supported. We're very thankful for that. And so that's one way that you can give. Obviously, there are other ways that you can give. But God's people are generous. Why? Because we have a very generous God who pours it out in abundance on us. And we think of Nate 
who was on sabbatical. Nate, if you see this, I hope you're having a good time and that you're passing because I flunked sabbatical the first time I tried it when I was director of Lutheran Renewal and I, I had to take it again uh, a few years later to uh, pass. So uh, Sarah, I saw Sarah yesterday and I said, how's Nate doing? And she said he's doing well. So we're glad for that. We're glad to be a a community of faith that supports one another. And we're just in the process of doing some thinking, the LT. We're thinking about other ways that we could be involved in the lives of one another. One way is that uh, there appears to be a small group that will be starting a, among uh, three of the young couples. And as we think about that, there could be other things that could come out, other uh, small groups. So if that's something that you'd like to be a part of. We're not forcing it on you, but we, if you'd like that during the week, in addition to Sunday participation, then you let me or one of the LT know, and uh, we'll do more talking about that. We are happy this morning to welcome back Jacob. He comes through uh, from time to time to give us an update on his ministry with First Nation people. God's given him authority and responsibility, and he's uh, got some plans, new and old, uh, and he's with us today to share a message for us. This is not just about Jacob and what he's doing, but he's going to give us a message for us to take home. Do you want to stand? Would that help you? Yeah, Okay. How's this? Okay. So let's pray for uh, Jacob. And, uh, and then afterwards, we'll do some small groups together. Father, I thank you that you grabbed on to Jacob early in his life, that he said yes to you while other people his age were still wondering about where they were going or what they were going to be. You said yes, and uh, you grabbed on to his life, and you've got him. And he is responsive and responsible to you. He knows it. He knows that the way he lives his life, he is not his own. He has been purchased, and he's yours, and he wants to have an impact. We thank you for the ways that you have given him to advance the cause of the king. And we want to listen to that this morning, and we want to be encouraged by what he is doing and encouraged to be involved in ways that we can be involved in advancing that same cause. We bless you, Jacob, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Well, thank you, Paul. How, how many appreciate Paul and Karen? Can we just give them, yeah. I appreciate Karen. Yeah. Uh, I think it was probably, I want to say, at least seven years ago now that I stepped in the door for 
Communitas and went to uh, my first meeting and listening to Paul speak and just the testimonies that other people were sharing, I was like, I think I'll, I'll stay for a little bit. And that was seven years ago and now here we are seven years later and uh, I, I still feel equally or even more blessed um, just being able to uh, listen under Paul and just receive the insight and wisdom that he shared with me and, and uh, the times that we've had praying together, eating together. Um, I, I am truly grateful for him as I know all of you are as well and Karen for just how they've opened their home and made an impact for the kingdom in countless ways. Um, I just want to start off uh, by sharing um, some, well, a word that I received or I, I got during our time worshiping together. Thank you, uh, Blake and Stephanie. That was great. Um, I just definitely um, believe in um, just worshiping individually and worshiping corporately. Um, but if you have uh, your Bibles or on your phones, let's just turn to John 15. And this is uh, verses 7 through 9. And so it says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. And <clears throat> just as we were worshiping together, uh, I was just, you know, I like to ask the Lord, you know, show me a word or, or give me a word, you know, whether it's for somebody I know or if it's for, if I'm sharing in a group setting like this. And what I saw was there was these foundations that people were standing on uh, where houses used to be and the foundations had been completely leveled and destroyed. And I saw these people just kind of standing around. Some people were crying. Some people were, you know, it, it was almost in this daze or confusion. And I saw the Lord start to hand them these tools. And they began to rebuild off of the foundations that had been destroyed. And what I felt, what the Lord was saying through that is that whether it's yourself individually or this word might be for someone you know, you feel that this has been a season or the past couple of seasons where the foundations where you've been on have been destroyed and what the enemy has tried to take from you, whether it's being affected by the coronavirus or the civil unrest or stuff within your family, work, finances, whatever that looks like. And I, what, I believe what the Lord is saying that you're going to be entering into and those that you know as well is a period of restoration and rebuilding. And what you think that the enemy has tried to take from you or has taken from you, the Lord is going to be rebuilding those things um, in the season to come. But it's a process of not just the Lord rebuilding himself and you watching. He's going to invite you into that rebuilding process of having 
those, those uh, foundations restored and rebuilt upon what you thought was lost and destroyed. Um, and I really believe that's going to be um, part of your testimony, how the Lord is going to use you to be able to speak life and truth into other areas or those that you know and saying, this is what I felt the enemy tried to take from me, but because of the faithfulness of the Lord, he's restored it plus some. So I just really believe that I'm encouraged kind of hearing that, and I hope you're encouraged too. And if you feel like you need to, you know, share this with whoever or receive it personally, um, I hope that it is a blessing to you. And I just really believe that the Lord is saying that he is for you, not just in this season, but seasons down the road. And this will be a season of prosperity and restoration for you. So, um, yeah, I think it's pretty encouraging. At least I like to think so. I was like, you know, kind of gets you fired up a little bit. But anyway, <clears throat> transitioning. Um, it's kind of been a unique period of time, kind of modernized a little bit. I, I know the last time I shared here, you know, I was kind of this guy who was living almost in the middle of nowhere and driving these crazy distances. And people say, you know, man, how do you drive so far? And it must be super draining. I was like, yeah, I mean, it is. <laughs> and now I've uh, transitioned back from the more rural settings back to, I guess you could say, not a hipster, but I used to drive in my car and eat fast food. And now I have a tattoo and drink Starbucks Frappuccino. So I'll let you do the math on if I've become urbanized or modern enough in the era that we live in. But um, I, let me just start off by saying too that as far as feeling blessed, everything that I have, I owe to the goodness and the faithfulness of the Lord. It's why I'm here today. And it's for those who have come before me and reinvested and been invested in me, which is why I feel my passion to be reinvested in others especially First Nations communities. Uh, my parents definitely played a big part in just their, their love and support. And mom and dad, hello, they're watching on the live stream. So I'm thankful for them. And uh, Hi, Brian. Hi, <laughs> uh, I'm looking forward to where they can join us, you know, whenever I speak here or share again, um, whenever that is down the road. Um, but yeah, and, and just to recap, I guess, you know, most or all of you known the last five or even more than that, I've been coming back from up north and working in these uh, indigenous communities. Uh, previously, I had um, worked as a family advocate for the Leech Lake Band of Ojibwe, and then I came back here for a season and rested and then went out again and worked um, in child welfare for the Red Lake Band of Chippewa. And I'm greatly, uh, blessed by the time that I had living up north. I think that my co-workers and the partnerships I formed are a big reason why I feel uh, called to continue the work that I'm doing right now. Um, and so with that being said, um, where I'm at right now in the process of wanting to continue to support these First Nations communities and indigenous communities outside of just working in the marketplace um, it's kind of a, a little bit of a unique story. I was going to um, school at the University of North Dakota, which uh, is kind of in the middle of three major reservations in the state of North Dakota. You have uh, the Devil's Lake 
um, or the Spirit Lake Sioux Tribe and the Standing Rock Tribe, and then the, also the three affiliated tribes of Mandan, Hadassah, and Arikara. And the connections I made, every, the, a lot of them were people my same age from those communities who um, were obviously pursuing an education like I was. Um, and I really just took the time to meet with them and hear their stories, to hear the needs in their communities. And what I found was a similar theme of there wasn't a platform for people to share what their realities were. There wasn't a platform um, for them to be able to express the needs and the desires for the communities. And I remember my one friend, Lakota, had said to me, I feel like there's people who want to help us, but there's no way to get our message out. And I was like, yeah, that, that sounds really accurate. You know, and in an age of social media where it seems almost access to everything where, you know, for myself, I know I spend a fair amount of time on social media and so do my peers. I thought to myself, well, how can I, you know, continue to do this work as far as not only supporting my friends in the communities they're from, but just indigenous communities as a whole. And uh, I was sitting in the student union well, I wasn't sitting, I was napping because I like to sleep in there. <laughs> but I, I was closing my eyes and um, I kept hearing over and over and over again, you know, just like this, the same word and it was the four winds, you know. And in native culture, the four winds, you know, each wind represents a different direction, um, north, south, east and west. But I kept hearing that over and over and over again. And I remember a couple of years ago, I had talked with my father and shared about how I wanted to support Native people, you know, by doing it socially media-based or, you know, documentaries or whatever that looks like. And in that hour I was sitting there, I just felt the Lord say, restart that work. And so, and that was probably actually like New Year's, New Year's Day officially. Um, and maybe the next day I texted my parents and let them know that was my decision. But that's where the Four Winds Film Company was birthed. That idea of, of I guess, pre-launching my desire to support Native people and Native communities through social media and through um, documentaries, miniseries, anything along those lines to give them a platform because the voice is already there. The people already have the voice. But it's how that voice is relayed and shared with communities not are only on the, the reservation and off the reservation. So since January of this year, that's the process that I've um, started on. And it's been a really wonderful journey so far. I've been really blessed. Um, and I'm excited to see what uh, lies ahead. But, um, and I know for those of you watching on the live stream, sorry I couldn't print out the slides because we're uh, outside today. But I'm just gonna, what you see here is the vision of what, um, the, the purpose of what the film company wants to do, what, what our goal is and what our vision statement is. And through that, our contacts so far, which I'll share about, and then also what our plans are for the future. And then we'll take that and transition it a little bit of how that relates to you all as well and how the Lord is inviting you and is in the process of having you walk out your calling. So uh, let's just jump into it. So the, the vision of the Four Winds Film Company um, is we want to build relationships with indigenous communities, but we don't want to build relationships that last for a week, a day, a month. 
we want to build relationships with people in these communities that last for years down the road. You know, when I was at the last meeting I was at, I think it would be really awesome to say one day if my descendants know the descendants of the people that I work with and they grow up knowing the work that we've done together and look to carry on that work. That's how I want these partnerships to be formed. Um, and we want to be able, like I said, to give these people from these communities the platform to share their stories, to be able to share their hopes for their community, their desires for their community, the sharing of the realities, the hardships that they face, but we also want to capture the breakthroughs because there is a lot of harsh realities for people living on the reservation and the communities around it, but there's also a lot of really cool stories of breakthroughs of people doing a lot of really inspiring things. And through the sharing of these things, um, we want to can partner people from the outside looking in to come in and partner with, you know, these native communities. They could be businesses, they could be other native members, non-native people. It's how we bridge the gap as far as building those relationships and then partnering and working together. So how do we do this? Which is a good question because I think that there's so many different um, dynamics at play, you know, when you're looking to take on something the size of this. So the base of where we're at right now is I've been working on the website um, that hoping to have it the, the launch date by the first week of September. And you know, if there's a time for me to come back and share it when it's completed, I'd be happy to do that. But basically, we're going to have articles from people from these different reservations that I'm continuing to partner with and a small team of people that I've been working with and connecting with. And we're going to continue to go out and you know, record interviews, record articles, take pictures, um, and post those things onto the website. And through the sharing of those interviews of you know, what people are saying, um, what their dreams and hopes are for the community, they'll be able for anyone to view. You'll be able to watch the, view, uh, the interviews and, and whatever else we post and have that same day access. And you'll have there'll be a list of needs that are posted and related to the interview and you'll be able to sew in accordingly to how you feel the Lord is leading you to go. Whether that's a financial donation, whether that's you know the donating of supplies or however you feel the Lord leading you to give in that way, um, that will be available for you to do so and you'll receive consistent information about what you're investing in and what you're sewing goes into. Because I feel like a lot of times if you watch a documentary and it can be a really good documentary. A lot of times you watch something and you're like, man, that was so good because you see the reality of what someone is going through. But then you ask yourself the question, well, what's the follow up? Or this happened like four or five years ago. I wonder where this person is today. You know, so what what we're doing and what our goal is to have those documentaries or those interviews. If someone has a business on the reservation, and they're using their artwork to bless the community. For example, what we would do is we would interview that person and sharing what their desire is for their business as an indigenous person and what their hope is to continue to impact their community. We would post this on the website. You have the availability and the chance to watch it. And then 
if you choose to sow into that and say, man, this is, this is a really cool vision. How do I get behind this? You'll have the opportunity to do that. And every you know, couple of weeks, you'll receive a live update of how that person is doing with their business as a result of what you've invested in. And in a way, even though you could be a few miles down the road or you could be hours away, but the key concept is you're connected through and you're, and you're growing with them. You know, and they'll know that you're investing as well. So um, that's kind of an example of what we're in the process of doing and building the relationships to be able to make this a possibility and do this all year round. Um, so far, the, the contacts and, and the partners that you know, I've established, like I said, I feel really um, blessed to have been able to tr do some traveling over the spring and somewhat into the summer and then looking to continue that traveling throughout um, the rest of the year if things open up. Uh, when I started in January, I just, I, I felt like there was three states that the Lord was highlighting as far as the need for helping indigenous people. And that was Montana, North Dakota, and Minnesota. And I, I said to the Lord, you know, um, what area would you like me to start off in? Basically, show me where the need is greatest, and then I'll start there, and I'll work my way back. Because I believe that these three states are key and pinnacle in the First Nations movement. With the desire um, of the people that are living in this area, the reality um, of the conditions that they're experiencing, I really believe that revival among the First Nations people is going to stem out of these three states. I really, really do. Um, and so in the spring... I just felt like the Lord was saying, just start off in Montana. Um, and so I just started calling. Montana has seven reservations. Um, and right now I've been in contact uh, with people living on three of them. And I just started calling and saying, this is my heart and this is my vision. This is the work that I've done. And I would love to partner with you and work with you in this way. And... Um, uh, to be completely honest, I thought they were like, oh, just come back, you know, when all of this is over, you know, just give it however many months and we'll see what happens. Um, but th the Lord had the, the door to be open right away for me to be able to travel out to these areas. Um, and so the first time me and my father, uh, this last July, we went out to the Rocky Boy Reservation and we uh, connected with the um, leaders in child welfare and child protection, and we brought, we brought out some supplies for them. Uh, and it was a really blessed time of just sharing a meal and hearing what their needs were in the community, and now looking to form and build a relationship and partnership with them off of that. Um, I'm really excited to see where that will lead. Um, but the other contacts that we have so far, so I just put them down and made a list of them, is uh, the first is Harold Mail Bearstone. Uh, he's a legislature from the Crow uh, Nation, um, which is on the Crow Reservation in Montana. And probably for the last three or four months, I've been talking with him and I'm uh, planning to go out. We just sent out a $200 Costco gift card to their Boys and Girls Club um, in the Wyola uh, Gra Grass Lodge District. Um, and I'm hoping to be able to meet with him sometime in August and maybe potentially bring some, some school supplies out as the school year starts. Um, but he's our first contact. We also have Betty LaForge, who works on the Crow Reservation. 
um, as well, and she's the head of their family preservation. Uh, the woman we met with when we were um, on the Rocky Boy Reservation was Leah Lemire, and she's head of uh, Child and Family Services. Um, we also have contacts based here in Minneapolis, Fred Carroll, um, who is of Dakota heritage, and he has open arms native missions. He actually, his organization supplied the supplies for us to be able to take out um, to the Rocky Boy Reservation when we were out there. Um, and the last contact that we have is Sergeant uh, Lowry Smith, um, who is at the head of the Salvation Army in Billings. I've been talking with her for the last couple of months, and the Salvation Army is willing to donate supplies and whatever um, that, you know, what we need to bring out to these different reservations as well. So that's kind of the radius that I've been working with over the last three months. Um, and it's, it's totally the Lord, you know. All I really did was just pick up the phone. <laughs> I, like, honestly, I, I, I've just been so grateful for just the great communication um, and just how open and, you know, receiving people have been of wanting to have Native communities and non-Native communities work together. Um, so that's kind of the process where we're at right now. Um, obviously, with the civil unrest and the COVID stuff, you know, some of the travel has been halted. But at the same time, I really feel like it's been a blessing to have so much downtime to speak freely because I don't think I would have had the amount of communication or these people having the availability that they did to, to sit and talk with me um, if this wasn't happening, you know. And it's one of those things where even in difficult situations where things around you seem to be falling apart, the Lord is always working. Amen. And I feel like this is an example of how, you know, bringing me into the past of these people and bringing them into mine is just the perfect example of how the kingdom works and operates. So um, that would be my encouragement to you as well is also uh, even, you know, whether it's a, a good season or a season of difficulty, continue to keep your eyes on the Lord and just walk in that humility um, because he'll lead and guide you. You know, I feel like it's just been a process of the Lord just, there really hasn't even been any confusion because it's just been the Lord saying, take a step here and then wait and then take another step and wait. And it's like, all right, that's cool with me. You know, I, it's, it's, I, I definitely feel like I've grown in appreciation for just waiting on the timing of the Lord and not trying to make stuff happen in my own time. Um, so following up and what I really um, felt like what I wanted to share on top of that was an encouragement um, and sharing in the message of how do we apply walking out our callings? That's the that's what I titled it is walking out your calling. Um, I definitely feel like the Lord is calling each of us in different seasons to do different work um, for the kingdom. And I think that it's something where while you're walking out your calling, I think that there's practical steps that you can take that you're, you mean, you're always going to have different forms of adversity or there's going to be different challenges or trials that arise. But how we walk out that calling and how we walk and grow with the Lord in that calling, I think that's really what he's looking out of us. Um, and so there's just a few main points that I wanted to share. Um, 
Whoops. Um, so what does this, this calling look like? Or if you feel like, you know, obviously where the Lord is stirring your heart with passion and you're saying, man, I really want to, Lord, I feel like this is you, but I don't know what it looks like. Um, but I know I want to go. And I guess the first step is just a willingness to be sent, whatever that looks like. Um, and so uh, the verse that I just wanted to start off with sharing is uh, Isaiah 6, 8. Um, and it says, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. If you would have asked me, you know, 10 years ago, or not even asked, told me, you're going to be, you know, you're going to make a commitment to work with indigenous people, you know, the rest of your life. And you'll live on a reservation, you'll live in the middle of nowhere, and this is what the Lord is calling you into, to continue to network and travel and do this work for the kingdom. I probably would have been like, thank you. I received that. I probably would have said I received it, but I probably would have been like, yeah, right. <laughs> but I would, have, I would have prayed, you know, what does that look like? Um, and I think that for the experience that I had starting off with just volunteering, you know, in these communities, because that's all I really saw what it was. I was like, yeah, this is good, or this is something that I can do in high school, and then when it's time to move on, you know, it's time to move on, and uh, I'll see what else the Lord has. But for me, the interaction and the turning point came was when I was invited into someone in that community's home and honored and fed a meal and said, the door is always open to you to come back. And when that man said that to me, I was like, dang, maybe, maybe there is something here. Maybe I am meant not just to, um, to give up or just to, to, to lay this aside. Maybe the Lord, this is what he's calling me into. Because I had been wrestling. I was like, you know, what am I meant to do with my life? And I don't know. Like there was this internal struggle happening of not knowing like what direction I was meant to go in. And my parents were like, oh, just, uh, just keep praying. Just keep, you know, seeking the Lord. And I was like, I'm kind of tired of doing that. <laughs> I was like, I just need to know. And I had come back home um, from that experience and felt like I was, you know, there was a desire to, to work with Native people, but I didn't know what that looked like. Um, and... I always forget the name of the man who was speaking here, but it was in the summer when I was like 19 years old. He's a shorter guy, super prophetic. Um, but anyway, he was speaking at Lydia House, and that's when I was coming you know, more consistently on Sundays. And um, as the message was starting, he looked at me, and he, had, he said, uh, could you stand up for a second? I was like, oh, no. Here we go. This dude is going to like call me out on something like thus saith the Lord or you need to do this or or change or repent. And I was like, so I'm like, as I'm bracing myself to 
you know, hear whatever he has to say. He was like, the Lord is saying to you or calling you to work with displaced people. Um, and I was like, oh, okay, thank you. And, you know, the service ended. I didn't talk to him after. Um, and I was like, well, I'm never going to see that guy again. So uh, let me just pray and think about it. But I got some more stuff to strategize. And then I kind of spent a week moping around and complaining some more. And um, then I was back again the next Sunday. And he was speaking two Sundays in a row. And I was like, all right. I was like, if this guy calls on me again, this is, there's something here for sure. Not that there wasn't the first time. But I'm sitting like in the third row and he's getting ready to speak and he's making like eye contact with me as he's walking up to the front. And I'm like thinking to myself, just like, oh. hopefully maybe this guy, maybe he won't forget or maybe he won't recognize me. And my parents, my parents were there actually. Um, and I think even one of my sisters was too, but uh, he was like, can you stand up again? And I was like, all right, round two. Now I'm really, I'm getting like, you know, not even more nervous, just expecting, because I was like, I guess every time I come here, some guy who I don't know is going to ask me to stand up and say, this is what you're meant to do. So um, he was like, I just want to reiterate to you that the Lord is calling you to work with displaced people. And as you do that, you're going to, you know, move to these different levels of authority and, like, connection. And then Paul was like, let's pray into that. And so now I have the guy saying it to me, and now everyone else is believing it and then praying it. And then I remember my mom whispering in my ear after I was done. She was like, sounds like you got your answer. I was like, it sounds like it. So I was like, the next, within the next couple of weeks, I was standing, getting ready. I think I was shaving. I don't know. Some sort of like getting ready in the day maintenance. And it was so clear from the Lord. I heard a voice say to me from him, from the Lord of, are you willing to commit yourself to working with First Nations either until I come back or you die of old age? I was like, I mean, yeah, it's a pretty straightforward question. Um, and I remember sitting there just like looking in the mirror for probably a solid like 10 minutes. And I was like, yeah, Lord, I'll do it. Whatever this looks like, whatever, you know, happens down the road, I will dedicate myself to this cause for your kingdom to work with these groups of people. And since that day, it really has been all the Lord. The connections, the setting everything up, it's all been Him. But it was from that place of saying, I'm willing to be sent. And I don't even know what it looks like down the road. Um, and, and just to reiterate and be clear, with this instance of what I experienced and what I went through, it's not going to be the same for everyone. The Lord might be calling you to another region, he might be calling you to another state, he might even be calling you to another country, or he might just be calling you right across the street. But from the place of your heart of saying, I don't know what this looks like, but I'm laying down my freedom to make the decisions what I want to do and allowing you, Lord, to lead and use me in whatever way that you want to use me. 
in that process of walking in humility and just starting off by saying yes. So saying yes, you're already a, a fraction of the way there, you know, and everything else, you know, will line up. But that's the place I encourage you to start out, just saying yes. A lot of times, as far as hearing the Lord or how I felt like I got to this point, which the first point that I would like to bring up is just listening and waiting on the Lord. When you've made that commitment, what does that look like, right? Um, and this is the scripture that I, I think goes really perfectly with listening and waiting. So if you have your Bibles again, or does someone want to pull this up? I don't know. I, as far as volunteering or, you know, interaction, um, do you want to just pull up uh, Isaiah 40, 31 and then just read it out loud? Yeah, is there a microphone that we could get, Mr. Alex? Okay. It's on. It is. Sorry, Isaiah. Uh, 4031. And then just read it out loud whenever you got it pulled up there. If someone has it earlier, you could read it. It's just taking me a second, sorry. Isaiah 40, verse 21? Uh, 31. 31, sorry. But those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. In this whole process, thank you, Mr. Alex, for sharing that and just reading that. Um, in, in this process of walking out our callings and when the passion is filling your heart, I think that a lot of times we look and say, man, like, I'm so excited. I want this to happen, and I want this to happen right now. And then you start off, you know, going, and, uh, you know, you're running super, you know, hardcore, I know for myself, I was like, man, who can I connect with? Who can I talk with? What can I do? I remember I was at a church, and um, I felt like the Lord was calling us up to a different reservation to anoint the land. Um, and I was like, we need to do this, like, this week. This has to happen. But it was, like, I think, like, February something, and it was, like, negative, like, 20 degrees out, and they were like, oh, yeah, this camp is closed. And I just remember, like being so irritated of not understanding why people didn't understand the importance of this. Minus my failure to see the practicality behind it, but that's what I mean when I say is when you're allowing, you know, that passion to, to move your heart and when the Lord is calling you in a direction, that there's a way to be practical about it. And my encouragement to you is just to sit and to wait and to listen. And I know my parents are watching the live stream. If they were here, you know, they could attest to how many conversations I've had and saying, you know, I want to do this and I want to do this and I want to do this. But I, I realized there wasn't a radius around it. I was just doing stuff for the sake of doing things. 
Um, and I think you, you'll find that when you choose to go that direction, it's not that the passion isn't there or that your intentions aren't good, but your rate of burnout, of how quickly you will tire yourself out in whatever you're choosing to do, it will evaporate instantly. And then you're not going to want to do anything because you're like thinking to yourself, man, I tried and tried and tried and this didn't line up and this didn't line up. But I think it's the Lord saying, is it, it didn't line up because you didn't want it to line up or it didn't line up because it was the right timing, right? And so for myself, I think it's been a process of um, like waiting, meeting with others, saying, Lord, okay, how are you guiding this and how are you leading this? And how can I be practical in taking the steps that I can take while not burning myself out? How can I continue to be proactive? Because I, I fully believe wholeheartedly that even in periods of waiting, while you're not traveling or doing anything else, you can still be productive. That's not a question of productivity, but it's how you seek the Lord and being productive in your own mindset as opposed to having a kingdom mindset and being productive. When you have a kingdom mindset, the productivity smooths everything out. When you just operate out of your own mindset, things can work good for a while, but I think you'll find in most cases or not, unless you're part cyborg, which I don't know, maybe some of you are. Paul is, I mean, the guy is like, you're in good shape, you're, the good shape that you're in, that's what I'm hoping to be in one day. So, um, but I think that like, getting back to the point of what I was saying, that you can be practical, you can be productive, and just because something doesn't open up when you want to see it happen, it doesn't mean that you're not doing the right thing, and it doesn't mean that it's not the Lord leading it. It's more like he's just saying, yeah, like I'm happy for you, and I want to grow in this with you, and I'm inviting you into the work that I'm doing, but let's do this together. Or how about you wait and I connect you with this person, you know? Or how about you just work on this, and continue to do the work, and I'll handle these things together. Because part of the thing of, of walking out your calling or being a part of um, the ministry that you're called to is that, first of all, the reality is you're never alone. The Lord is with you, but you're not called to do it by yourself. And that's the, that's the biggest thing that I've, you know, taken from an insight perspective through this whole process of, when you're walking out your calling, building a radius of people around you who have that like-minded mindset, who have that kingdom productivity on their minds. And walking in that unity, I think that there'll be different doors and opportunities that you'll have to walk through, as opposed to if you did it alone and you'd have to try to do it all by yourself. Um, so that comes from the place of listening and waiting. Well, and the listening part, um, is tied into it. If you have your Bibles, just turn to 1 Samuel 2, verses 8 and 9. So it just says, and this is the story of Samuel about how the Lord is calling him. But it says, in those days, oh, sorry, I got to pull it up actually.
All right. So sorry, this is going to be 1 Samuel 3 and just the first verse here. It says, Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days, and there was no frequent vision. So what does that tell us? Just like some thoughts in those days. What, what does that mean from that first verse? Anyone can share their thought on that. It says, And the word of the Lord was rare in those days, and there was no frequent vision. Does anyone have any thoughts on what they think that might mean? Uh, yeah. Yeah. When he did, people paid close attention. Mm-hmm. That's good. People got used to just doing their own life day after day after day because they rarely heard something new from the Lord. So mm -hmm. it wasn't common to get the direction. You just kind of kept doing one day after another after another. Mm-hmm. No, that's good too. Thank you. Yeah, that, that's what I'm, I'm getting from this verse, right? The standing out is that people just aren't hearing from the Lord outside of a, a small group of people. So we know the story of, of what happens. You know, Samuel is lying down and the Lord's calling out in the night, Samuel. And what is he, what's his first response, right? He says, at first he thinks, who does he think it is? Who does he think is calling out to him? Eli, right? And he goes up, Eli, he's kind of like getting towards the end here. He's like, I didn't call you. And this happens a few times. Until Eli finally realizes what's happening. And then he says, and the, and so this is verse 8. It says, the Lord called Samuel again a third time. And he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. And therefore, Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went to lay down in his place. What I'm, what I'm encouraged by in this verse is that Samuel could have had, and maybe he did, have these questions of what is the Lord going to say? What does this look like? Or is this really meant for me? And I think how a lot of us comparable to Samuel in that, that you know, space that he was in is when we're looking to hear from the Lord and we're like, is this the Lord? Is this me? What does this look like? Can I really be sure that I'm meant to go in this direction? And I think that that's how the enemy uses that confusion to bring, you know, to, to hinder us from calling, you know, where we're meant to go. But in the quiet and in the darkness, I just even encourage you to do this tonight when you go to bed, is just sit down or lay before the Lord before you go to sleep and say, I'm listening. I'm listening. Show me where you want me to go. Show me what you want me to do. Ask me or tell me and reveal to me as I rest tonight, what does this look like? 
And I think it'll be, it, the Lord is faithful in doing that. There's just been multiple nights. I feel like I'm always thinking and I'm always consistently, you know, saying, oh, I could do this or I could do this or I could, you know, connect with these group of people over here. And there's nothing wrong with those things. It's not like they're bad decisions or bad choices. But what the Lord is really looking for and asking is just in that quietness of coming before him and saying and asking, what are you saying? Because God's going to have an opinion about what he would like us to do. I think sometimes we get so busy of saying, yeah, I could do this and this will be great. And, so, you know, this will be great as well. And sometimes just out of our busyness and desire to make an impact for the kingdom, we stop and forget to ask the Lord, like, what are your thoughts on this? Or God, hey, what, what do you think about this? Or do you have a thought on this? And you say, yeah, you know, I do. You know, and I think that's not only does that strengthen that relationship between you and the Father, but you grow with him and in, in working and being invited into the work he's calling you into. Um, the other two quick points I just wanted to mention real quick, uh, wrapping this up, is um, in regards to walking out your calling, uh, the second point would just be the willingness to be accountable. You know, I have an email list on our team of people who I'm looking to connect with and, and email them the plans that I have and what I'm looking to accomplish in certain seasons of time. Um, Paul and uh, Nate and Tim are also a part of that, and I email them separately. Um, and I look for, you know, people's insight, you know, and uh, opinions on their thoughts on what I'm looking to do. My encouragement to you would be not to operate. You're not meant to operate as a free agent. That's not what this is. I believe that the Lord, as he looks to establish you, wants to create a radius around you of people who have that like-minded vision and that same vision to be able to run the race with you. There's a difference, I believe, between running the race individually and then running corporately together, especially when you're a part of a team. And I really believe that that is what's on the Lord's heart. So whatever that looks like and whatever that passion or you're calling what the Lord is calling you into, accountability is key and being willing to talk with those around you and know that if people disagree with you on your team, it's nothing personal, but it's because it's a, a higher call of integrity that I believe the Lord is calling us to walk in when we're pursuing our callings. Um, I just want to reiterate, too, there, there, there has been times throughout history where people have always received counsel about where the Lord is calling them to go. Um, but in the end, it's between you and the Lord. Um, when he says it's time to go, you know, I believe that it's time to go and, and to go out into where he's calling you. Um, but always look in some way um, for that form of positive confirmation or the confirmation that you need. Um, the third point is just to know the history of where you're being called to. I think, you know, if you feel like you're being called to Alaska, let's just say you're, you're saying, God's called me to Alaska to work with the Inuits, right? Which are you, our unique people group. And if you load up, you load everything up and you get ready to go and you show up with your George Foreman grill, to Alaska in a, you know, a t-shirt and shorts. I mean, 
not to say that you won't be prepared, like the George Foreman, I like it, but at the same time, like, like Alaska has a harsh climate, right? Like it's like, what do they got? 30 days of darkness or something crazy like that. It's cold in different parts. You know, there's not, you got, you have to kind of have like a Jeremiah Johnson mountain man kind of thing going on. You need like the, the right clothing, the right equipment. The Inuits, they don't live in like Minneapolis. You're not going to be able to like go down and say, hey, let's grab a latte and, you know, I can talk about how I want to partner with you. Like you're, you're out there, you know. And I feel like, and, and even on top of that, when you got there, you're like, oh, yeah, I was thinking we could just do some grilling and, you know, maybe, you know, see whatever else happens. But that's not what the Inuits do. That's not what their culture consists of. Um, not to say they don't eat hamburgers, but there's historical context that are there. And so wherever you feel the Lord is calling you, know the history of the region, know the history of the people that you're working with, and know the, the traumas that they faced and how that trauma has affected them to, that, to this day. You know, when I went up north the first time, to be completely honest, you know, I got a little bit rocked. I honestly did. Because it was just, when I went, it was, yeah, I want to help Native people. And yeah, I want to be there to support their communities. But the reality is that there's hundreds of years of history and trauma and broken treaties that had happened before I got there. Of even, even the context of the conversation of, of, you know, when I talked with people, certain words would be triggers because of certain things that had happened in their family. For example, did you know that you're not supposed to gift, at least up north, gifting the Ojibwe or certain communities that are a part of that is offensive. If you gift blankets, there was a quilted blanket that a friend of mine gifted, you know, a Red Lake member, and they were offended by that. And my friend was, you know, questioning and upset. He was like, you know, well, I thought I was doing the right thing and even look at the design. But... The reality was it's not about the design or it's not even that it's native based. It's because what had happened in history is that the United States government had gifted the people in those regions blankets that were filled with smallpox and other diseases. So something that was meant to keep them warm and keep them safe actually ended up affecting their population and killing the people that were a part of it. So even if it was something meant with good intention, the re and, and the guy forgave my friend, and I mean, they're totally fine now, but what I'm saying is that that's what I'm talking about is know the history of where you're being called. When you're looking to operate in that kingdom mindset and have that kingdom productivity, it's not about knowing all the answers or it's not about thinking, yeah, I'm, I'm doing this and I, I think I got it figured out. It's about walking in humility and walking and growing with the people that you're called to work with or where you're called to go. Uh, the last point I want to make in wrapping this up is understanding convenience and of what I think of, you know, what we see as convenient and what the Lord says, you know, sees as convenient. When people asked you know, when I told people that I was going to be going out to Montana to start off, 
you know, and then making my way back east, the, you know, some people were like, yeah, that's great. A lot of people were like, why Montana? You know, it's super far away. You're going to have to drive great distances. Nobody knows who you are out there, which is true. But, and, and I think that how it's kind of, I remember someone saying to me, it seems as an inconvenience and a burden for you to have to go out there. <clears throat> and, I, and I was thinking about that when that person had shared that. And I think the world's definition of what is convenient is different than the Lord's. When the world says what's convenient for you of how you want to walk this out, it's catered to how it works best for you. It's more of a self-fulfilling, how can I still do what I want to do, but do it in a realm of comfortability. And if, the, if, it, if there's anything outside of that, then it must not be what I'm meant to do. And how the enemy uses that confusion and tries to hinder you from actually walking this thing out. When you look at the ministry and the life of Jesus, who he met with, where he went, how he went about doing stuff, the mainstream population was like, this is a waste of time or an inconvenience for you to do this in this way. The Pharisees said, this is an inconvenience. And even outside the religious teachers and those who upheld the law, people were saying that. But in the eyes of Jesus, it was convenient because he understood that it wasn't about him building himself up. It was about expanding the kingdom. And I think that in that same way, for the kingdom, for me personally, there's always practicalities. I'm not saying don't be impractical, but for the kingdom to drive out to Montana or different parts of the Midwest, it is convenient because I realize at that point, it's not about, it's not about myself or the work of my ministry or building up my own name. It's about walking in humility and advancing the kingdom in that same genuine humility-like way that the Lord did. And so um, through this whole process, uh, um, just wrapping up here, I just want to say how blessed I feel uh, to be able to partner with these different tribal communities, to be able to be invited into this calling and to, be, to partner with the Lord and walking this out with Him. Because when the Lord invites you into doing something, I think it's important to remember that He's more than capable of doing whatever He wants to do in whatever manner or way He wants to do it. But when the Lord invites you into something, I feel like there's this, this honor and this gratitude that you feel of not wanting to take that for granted you know um, in every situation that I have whether it's been meeting with leaders doing work in the community you know I remember one time like a few years ago my dad was cutting a pile of wood and I was standing there watching and he was swinging the axe and he was thinking you know I was like oh that looks cool you know or you know he's doing good work and he looked over at me and he was like do you want to do you want to help? He was more than capable to, to finish the log pile by himself, 
but it was in the process of me or him inviting me into the work that he was doing. I just felt like respect and honor with how he did that. And in that same way, I feel that's how the Lord invites us, right? When he invites us in and says, hey, I'm working on this. Why don't you join me? And let's work on this together and grow together or, you know, allow yourself to grow and walk with me in this season or seasons where you're doing this work. Uh, and for that opportunity, uh, you know, that the Lord has given me, uh, I feel, ex you know, extremely grateful for that and just a desire to walk in humility um, as well uh, and in that calling. And so in that same way, I hope these points are encouraging for all of you. I'm excited um, to hear where the Lord is leading all of you individu uh, individually in the seasons to come um, and as you continue to do uh, the work for the kingdom. Uh, just continue to walk in humility and seek the Lord. Before we, Paul gives us the benediction, I just uh, wanted to take one moment to uh, a couple things. I just took off my, my top, and this is a pro-life uh, 40 days thing. But I believe the two greatest genocides in our country is, one, the abortion issue, and also the natives. I mean, it's true that the U.S. government gave blankets planned with cholera. This was not an accident. Mm -hmm. And so this is a holocaust, and, and we owe it to work on this ministry here for the pro-life and for the natives. So if we could keep praying and partnering with that. And uh, another Let's thing. Turn in your prayer. Why don't you put your hand Yeah, I just wanted to say this, that, that uh, before I pray, is that, uh, you know, the, the, thank you for re-giving us the vision, that, that the Lord who gave us the vision will uh, will complete it and that we uh, Lord we're weak and in Isaiah 40 Isaiah 40 that uh, Jacob shared with us it talked about even young guys like Jacob get weary and stumble but you renew us and uh, in John 15 the other verses he shared it also says Jesus said that that uh, apart from me you could do nothing and so, Lord, we know that we cannot do anything without you. We thank you for what he's teaching, what he taught us and reminded us today that you are going to start if we're faithful to, to trust you. And we thank you for what Jacob shared. Bless him in every way. We, uh, we've missed him. We thank you that he's back with us, and we pray we could hear him again. Bless the community that hears this message. I really believe that this message will go out and bless people to renew vision. And we thank you. In the name of Christ. I'm going to aim a blessing at you here so you, you catch it. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.